Hello, welcome to Discovering Jazz. My name's Larry Sademan here in Victoria, BC. In this program, we all discover jazz old and new together. We'll listen to a wide variety of jazz styles and I'll present different topics, giving ideas as to what we can listen for to enhance our experience. Thanks to Peterborough Independent Podcasters for hosting this podcast. For the next 60 minutes, Discovering Jazz. Today, talking about the so-called self-taught musician. I say so-called because nobody is ever totally self-taught, nor is their talent ever primarily the product of a lot of formal instruction. Let's start with the most famous of all the self-taught musicians. Duke Ellington did have formal piano lessons from a Mrs. Clink Scales. I'm sure that many a joke was made among Ellington's family and friends about her name. And unlike many jazz musicians, his very musical family actually encouraged him to become a musician. But young Edward would have none of that. His passion was baseball. And before he even learned to read notes, he quit music entirely. But then at age 14, he heard a version of James P. Johnson on a player piano doing the Carolina Shout and he spent hours running the perforated paper roll through the piano's mechanism at slow speed and then following the keys with his fingers, and he mastered the tune. Ellington stated that there was no connection between me and music until I started fiddling with it myself. As far as anybody teaching me, there were too many rules and regulations." And even once he became the legendary composer, he still didn't know musical shorthand and would have to rely on copyists to decode his own musical shorthand. So yes, although musical scholar and teacher Ron Drodo says that self-taught is an interesting term and there are varying degrees of self-taughtness, it does seem as if Duke Ellington is pretty high on the self-taught versus formally taught continuum. Here's one of his lesser-known compositions, the title tune from a classic album of 1962 with bassist Charles Mingus and drummer Max Roach, Money Jungle.
Duke Ellington with Charles Mingus and Max Roach, Money Jungle. Some of the inspiration and information for this week's program on self-taught musicians comes from an article by David Epstein called On the Genius of the Self-Taught Musician. And staying with self-taught geniuses, Dave Brubeck is another jazz musician and composer who is basically self-taught. He was born cross-eyed and wasn't able to see musical notation, so his mother's efforts to teach him piano were unsuccessful. However, he listened intently when she was teaching her students and tried to imitate what he heard. He eventually went into a veterinary program at College of the Pacific, but dropped out and enrolled in the college's music department instead. And while he still couldn't read music, he was a masterful faker and improvised his way through exercises on various instruments. One piano teacher wasn't able to be faked and recognized his inability to read music, and he was told that he wasn't allowed to graduate from the music program. Although later, he did graduate, but with the promise that he would never embarrass the institution by teaching. I don't know if he honored that agreement or not. I suspect not, for sure. So many pianists have been influenced by the rhythmic, melodic, and harmonic creativity of Dave Brubeck. So yes, we've all learned from him, and he has, intentionally or not, taught. It should also be mentioned that he did later study composition from the great composer Darius Mio. Here's one of my favorite Dave Brubeck compositions from 1959's Time Out album that made it to number two on Billboard's pop charts, one of the best-selling jazz albums of all time, Blue Rondo Alaturk. It starts in 9-8 time, but with a 2-2-2-2, sorry, let's say that again, with a 2-2-2-3 rhythm, similar to a Turkish Zybek rather than the typical 3-3-3. The saxophone and piano solos are in 4-4. Blue Rondo a la Turk.
Dave Rubeck Quartet with Paul Desmond on sax, Eugene Wright bass, and Joe Morello drums. Since we seem to be on a roll with piano players, here's something from the New York pianist who's been giving me lessons, Ron Drotos. Here's a description of specifically how he taught himself to play some very difficult music. When I was in high school and college, I wanted to learn how to play box music. And I didn't have a lot of classical training. I was pretty much like self-taught on the piano and just jamming with people. I didn't really have many lessons until I got to college and um, in jazz or, or uh, classical. But I had this book of Bach inventions, you know, you know, the Bach inventions. And, and I wanted to um, really learn them. And they were so far beyond my concept of the piano at that time when I was like 17 I just couldn't imagine myself learning them. But I did know that if I started uh, from a simple enough starting point that I could learn them step by step because I could always envision one more step, right? So it's literally like you got to climb that mountain. So you put on your backpack and you take one step and you're one foot closer, right? And then you take another step. What I did was I put on the metronome you know those Bach inventions, they're written in 16th notes. I put on the metronome to 40, which was an old-fashioned tick-tock metronome, and I would play one 16th note per clip. And I'd just do the right hand, like I would just do this. do that a few times till I could do that and then I would play the left hand at the same tempo and then I would play both hands at a 16th note equals 40. 
So that would take like 15 minutes, right? And then I would um, move the metronome to 42. And I would do the same thing at 42. And then I would like, I'd spend three hours straight doing that until I got up to like 50, which is still like a little slower than that actually. And um, then I would put it aside for the day. And the next day I'd come back and I wouldn't start at 50. I'd go back to like 48. And I would work up out over three hours till I got to 60. The, the, um, the interesting thing was that I still can't, couldn't picture myself really playing it fast, but I knew I could play it. If I could play it at 40, I could play it at 42. Or if I could play it at 66, I could play it at 68 after a little practice. And then after two or three months, I would be up to... was way beyond what I ever thought I could do and then eventually you know things like that and I learned pretty much all 15 of them like that over about three years wow such a great description of the perseverance patience and faith that a self-taught musician needs to have. Thank you, Ron Drodos. Later on, Ron did get some great training from the great pianist Billy Taylor, and he did get a music composition degree at the University of Connecticut, where he studied with a wonderful composer named Hale Smith. Here is a Ron Drodos composition, where he is playing with violinist Jonathan Russell. The piece is called Tabriz, If You Please.
Ron Drotos, and Jonathan Russell. Let's talk about a few guitarists now. One of my all-time favorite jazz guitarists, Tal Farlow, was basically self-taught. He stated that his greatest influence was guitarist Charlie Christian, who became his first teacher via recordings. He would take those solos off records, playing them over and over again until he knew them. Throughout his musical career, Tal Farlow would have a flurry of musical activity, then retire back to his other job as a sign painter. Then he'd make another comeback. I had the pleasure of meeting him and uh, hearing him during one of his comebacks when he played at Jazz City in Edmonton, Alberta in, I think it was in the early 1980s. He played about a half-hour set just before the three great guitarists, Herb Ellis, Barney Kessel, and Charlie Bird did a set. I have a photo somewhere of me walking down Jasper Avenue in Edmonton with those three guitarists plus Tal Farlow, and I'm carrying Charlie Bird's ovation guitar. Hopefully I'll be able to find that uh, that photo and post it at some point. But here is some amazing solo guitar from the later years of Tal Farlow. Misty. Farlow are mostly self-taught, include Les Paul and Wes Montgomery. And that tune you just heard, Misty, its composer, Errol Garner, was self-taught. He remained an ear player all his life and never learned to read music. According to his sister Martha, at age three, Garner would hear his older siblings taking piano lessons from Miss Bowman and then sit down and play exactly what the teacher played. I'll play some Errol Garner in a moment, but I should also mention that Thelonious Monk 
was also mostly self-taught, despite a monk biography that was published that erroneously said that he was trained at Juilliard. And free jazz saxophonist Ornette Coleman was mostly self-taught as well. Today, the majority of great jazz musicians have had formal musical training, some of it through jazz schools and a lot of it through more classically oriented music schools. Here is Errol Garner with a 1947 recording, Play Piano Play. Garner. I think one could argue that there's really no such thing as a self-taught musician, and nor does any musician totally learn their craft through formal instruction. Think of it as compared to a child learning to speak their language. They learn mostly through a type of osmosis, hearing others speak. Formal rules of grammar come a lot later. It's the same with music. If we don't hear the music from a fairly young age, it's unlikely that we're going to really master playing it, however the amount and quality of the formal training we get. For example, trying to teach jazz to classical musicians who haven't grown up with jazz is almost impossible. The pure, self-taught musician doesn't exist. Keeping with that analogy to learning language, if a child grew up in isolation and never heard anybody speaking their language, it would take a lot of work to teach them. So it is something that is picked up from others. And even the most self-taught of musicians were influenced by the music they heard. They didn't just create it out of the blue. But maybe the closest thing to a truly self-taught musician 
might be Django Reinhardt. Django Reinhardt was born in Belgium and raised in a Romani caravan. He rarely went to school, so he never learned to read, and instead he would be found in billiard halls. But he was always surrounded by music, as Romani gatherings always had plenty of banjos, pianos, and violins. His first instrument was a violin, and he learned to play through call-and-response playing, where someone would play a phrase and he would duplicate it. At age 12, he was given a banjo guitar, and he would busk and play duets with a banjo player, teaching himself very complex improvisations on songs popular with those around him. At age 18, he was badly burned in a fire and bedridden for a year and a half. He no longer had a functional pinky or ring finger on his left hand, his fretting hand, and he had to teach himself to play chords with a thumb and two fingers, and he re-emerged with a new and creative way of playing his instrument and became the founder of what is known today as gypsy jazz. And even though he couldn't read, neither music nor words, he was able to compose a classical symphony and a mass for the gypsies, playing on his guitar what he wanted each instrument in the ensemble to do, while another musician transcribed it. Here's a fellow from New Westminster, B.C., who is quite the Django fan, playing from a live performance in Regina, the introduction to Django's Mass of the Gypsies. His name's Colin Godbout. I'll follow it with Django Reinhardt playing one of his best-known compositions from 1937, Minor Swing.
Django Reinhardt with the Hot Club of France, featuring the violinist Stefan Crippelli and Louis Vola on bass, Minor Swing, 1937. Before that, an intro to Django's classically oriented Mass for the Gypsies, as played by BC guitarist Colin Godbout. I put out a call on a new Facebook page called Jazz in Victoria, asking about any self-taught musicians out of Canada, especially Victoria. And Vancouver trombonist Jim Hopson replied by recommending composer and trombonist Ian McDougall, who grew up in Victoria and apparently is living here once again. Jim stated that uh, McDougall's one of the world's finest trombonists and, by his own account, self-taught. Mind you, According to Wikipedia, he did get a Bachelor and Master of Music from UBC in 1966 and 1970, but by that time, he had already been playing commercially for over 15 years since he was 13. Here he is with Oliver Gannon on guitar, Ron Johnson on piano, with Patricia, written by Oliver Gannon, from 1976, Ian Thank you. 
trombonist Ian McDougall. There's another legendary Canadian musician who was mostly self-taught, and he was suggested to me by North Vancouver guitarist Jerry Silver. Now, he was self-taught at least as a musician, but then he ended up going into law with the intent of helping the underdog, including people of Aboriginal descent or those who, like him, ended up grappling with mental health problems, having been diagnosed with bipolar disorder in 2001. I'm talking about Phil Dwyer. Dwyer, who was born in Duncan, B.C., is well known as both a saxophonist and pianist, and at any concert you might hear him playing either or both. He considers himself mostly self-taught, even though he did study with a lot of other musicians later in his life, as well as saxophonist Steve Jones and David Branter early on, plus Toronto pianist Don Thompson. But his earliest learning, he says, was in grade five, when he would listen to Oscar Peterson records over and over again, playing along with the records. He also started, started studying some jazz theory shortly afterward. And that one piano teacher I mentioned... Toronto pianist Don Thompson was also essentially self-taught, other than a few childhood piano lessons where he grew up in Powell River, B.C. He then later taught himself to play string bass and vibes, and he's often in demand as a vibes player. Here are the two together from 2006, Don Thompson and vibes, Phil Dwyer piano, also with bassists Jim Vivian and drummer Terry Clark. The tune is called L's.
two Canadian musicians who consider themselves somewhere on that self-taught continuum, Don Thompson and Phil Dwyer. It may be that the formal training isn't really the key to being a great musician, as important as it might be. As I mentioned before, most professional musicians probably learn more through a type of osmosis, soaking in so much of the music that they hear and see being played. Legendary alto saxophonist Charlie Parker was a jazz musician who typified that natural learning style. He was very much self-taught. He quit school at 15 to become a musician and didn't realize that many jazz songs of the day were only played in a few keys, so he learned them all. He did have this astounding ability to practice for very long hours, stating in an interview with Paul Desmond that he spent three to four years practicing up to 15 hours per day. He also constantly asked questions of other musicians and asked them to show him things. So you can't say he or any musician is 100% self-taught. Charlie Parker is considered to be the primary inventor of the bebop style of jazz. It happened one night in 1939. Parker was playing Cherokee in a practice session and realized that the 12 semitones of the chromatic scale can lead melodically to any key, breaking some of the earlier confines of jazz soloing. Let's end today's Discovering Jazz program with some of Charlie Parker's great bebop style, maybe even his version of a Cherokee, from September of 1942, with F. Ware on guitar and Little Phil Phillips on drums. You're listening to Discovering Jazz. My name's Larry Sademan. Tune in next week, when I think I'll begin a two-part series of holiday jazz. Bye for now. Mm-hmm.